Hello and welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Today's episode has moderator Scott Mance speaking with director Brent Wilson, Rolling Stone editor Jason Fine, and legendary musical genius Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys about their new documentary, Long Promised Road. This conversation was recorded after a special one-night-only screening at the Landmark in Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott Mance, and I'm so excited to be here in a movie theater watching Long Promised Road on the big screen to be moderating this conversation for the film. So we, before, okay, before we bring out our, our guest of honor, the legend, the, the, the legend that we are all here to see, I would love to bring out uh, two of the gentlemen who helped make this movie, starting with Rolling Stone editor Jason Fine. And the director of Long Promise Road, Brent, what a great name, Wilson. <laughs> well, gentlemen, first of all, I just want to say uh, congratulations. I, I saw this movie, let's say, uh, eight months ago. We, we had a conversation over Zoom. So to be having this conversation now in front of a theater full of people watching this movie on the big screen. First of all, ha- ha- Brent, starting with you, how do you feel that, that we're all here celebrating the, uh, the man? It's a miracle. No, it's an absolute miracle. By the way, Jason just flew in from New York. He landed about three hours ago. True. So he came out here <laughs> just for this. So <laughs> that is... Proof, living proof of the dedication it took to get this film made. So yeah, no, it's fantastic to finally see it on the big screen and to hear it on the big screen. Because I think to hear Brian's music in this theater was wow. Yeah, to to quote, uh, I think Don was wow. Well, well, no, no speaker can really do justice to the music until you hear it on speakers like this. Uh, You know, so so when when this idea came came around for for you to make this film. Like, what was the original plan for the film, and, and, and why did it change? Yeah, yeah no, I, um, I, I don't know if it was just naive or arrogance, but um, I knew that I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something nonlinear. I wanted to do something kind of poetic, and I wanted to do something that was going to be a, about the music. But I thought, you know, I could interview Brian Wilson, and I guess that was just really, really dumb because I tried and failed miserably. <laughs> and then... Uh, we were on our way to Santa Barbara, and Jason was a witness to, to that. And I'll let him tell you a little bit of our Santa Barbara trip, but yeah, I threw up the white flag, and Jason was merciful and answered. <laughs> cut to the chase. Brian dropped him off on the side of the road <laughs> <laughs> with, with his camera. <laughs> it was like, that was enough of this. <laughs> yeah, we literally were on our way to Santa Barbara, and he was like, oh, okay, yeah, we don't, we don't need these guys around anymore. <laughs> but, well, J- well, Jason, you know, the, so much of the footage of, of you driving around with Brian, like, 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 where did that idea originate? And, like, what was, what was plan, plan B? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, it was really all Brent with the cameras and everything and making that really work in the car because it doesn't seem like you could cram how many, five cameras? Five cameras, yeah. Uh, inside this, you know, pretty small car um, along with iPods and walkie-talkies and everything else. But, you know, driving around L.A. with Brian is a joy. You know, I mean, he's a guy who grew up here, who lives probably 15 miles now from where he was born. So the memories for him everywhere you drive, I mean, even just on the way here tonight, talking about 
driving down Pico and remembering things. You know, that's an amazing thing to have the privilege to soak up. Um, and I think there's also something about just, you know, when you're in a car with someone, there's not a lot of pressure. You know, you can kind of oh. have a conversation and then you can kind of take a break and you can listen to music, you can look out the windows. And so we just kind of went with that. Was, was Brian like initially uh, like, like now nah, I don't know about this. Or, I mean, like what, how long before he started to kind of, you know, feel comfortable with the idea of driving around, going to, to so many of his, of his landmarks from his childhood in his songs to, to where you could tell that he felt comfortable uh, just talking with you about everything. About two minutes. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he dove right in. The only time I remember, you know, there were, and you see it in the film, you know, he, he wasn't super into going to the first apartment that he moved into after he got married. That was kind of like a bummer for him. I don't know if it was the acid memories. I don't know if it was just, you know, I don't know. But he didn't really want to be there. But most of the other places, he really just embraced it. I mean, starting from day one, he yeah. was he was pretty into it. I'll tell you, one of the things that I, that I really loved about watching this movie is, you know, a lot of musicians, like, no matter how famous they are, they don't like listening to their own music. But Brian Wilson loves listening to his own music. <laughs> and he'll keep saying, play this one from 15 Big Ones, or, you know, play Please Let Me Wonder from Side B of the Beach Boys Today. And, like, like why do you think that it is about, about Brian that he, he actually loves listening to his own music? Well, I mean, my feeling about and the songs that he chose to listen to were sure. not sort of the Beach Boys' big hits. They were songs that came from a different era of the Beach Boys that yeah. people don't know as well, late 60s, early 70s. And I really think it had a lot to do, a lot of what we talked about and a lot of what he was thinking about was his brothers, missing his brothers, the relationship with his brothers, maybe sort of things that they were never able to say to each other when they were alive. And a lot of the music that, that we listened to was music that really featured his brothers, yeah. singing, producing. And I think it was kind of communing with those memories and, and, and with that relationship. Yeah, I love, I love Brian's reaction when you wanted to play Pacific Ocean Blue from Dennis. I mean, he just, and, and he never even heard the whole thing. I mean, that was just uh, really great. But Brian, like, how much, uh, how, how much uh, time, uh, like, what period of time did you, did you shoot this around? Gosh, we, it, years. Yeah, it took, a, it took a, quite a long time. It was, uh, we had 70 hours of these guys in the car. Um, <laughs> and of course, we're working around, you know, Jason had a day job. You know, he was running a magazine. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Jason, you know, we'd try to get two days here, two days there. Brian was out on tour, a lot of touring. So it was, you know, it was a lot of stop and start that, that kind of went to it. And uh, yeah, we had 70 hours of them in the car. We had like 120 hours, I think, of, of footage of the uh, archival footage that uh, Hector Lopez, the editor, and I went, went through and watched. And yeah, it was a mountain of, of material to try to kind of shape it. And 70 this. hours in the car is a lot of In-N-Out burgers. <laughs> <laughs> how did you go, uh, uh, before we uh, turn over, yeah. uh, I just want to just, how did you go from, what, what was it, uh, 120 hours of archival footage, 70 hours of interviews, to 95 minutes? Brent. Painfully. <laughs> very, very painfully. <laughs> it was a tough process. You know, it's really, it's just a, a block of clay, you know, and all you do is just try to kind of find the shape in it. And, and we did, you know, Hector and I, we had a lot of conversations about what the film was going to be, and we knew that it was going to be 
we knew that it was going to be this kind of this nonlinear story, and we knew that it was going to be very early on. We knew it was going to be kind of a a buddy movie, you know. That we one of the first scenes we saw was the footage of those guys, and and uh, he asks about the car, You're like you know, what car is that? And and we're watching that footage in the edit bay, and we just cracked up laughing. And we don't have the footage of the car. We don't see outside of the car. We don't know what they're talking about. So editorially, that's not a good thing, right? But it was just so funny, and we were talking like going, God, you know what, this is kind of like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or like <laughs> Lethal Weapon or something. And it was like, this is just going to be a buddy movie. And that's that's what we kind of decided oh, to do, that, was make a buddy exactly movie. That's exactly what it is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We decided it was going to be a buddy well, movie. Well, what do you say, since we're all feel, feeling some pretty good vibrations right now, what do you say we bring out our guest of honor, ladies and gentlemen, all rise and give it up for the legend, Brian Wilson. Yeah. Enough with the undercard, right? Say we uh, <laughs> we we talk with Brian Wilson right now and, and get some get some questions in. Hi, Brian. Hi. How how do, how do you feel after getting a standing ovation like that? Good. <laughs> Feels pretty good, right? What is it usually? Please sit down, right? Right. <laughs> after God only knows. I've got a shirt, one of my prized possessions from the crew that says Brian Wilson. God only knows. Please sit down. Right. And it's one of my all-time prized possessions. I haven't even worn it yet. <laughs> Brian, what, when you were making this film, when you were driving around with Jason, uh, like how much fun did you have driving around L.A., Southern California? Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun? Yeah. What were some of the, some of the highlights, you know, with going to like photo shoots of the old people stuff? Restaurants. <laughs> what, what, about, what about Nobu, Brian? Remember, remember the sushi? Brian, when you were, when, when this movie premiered back in April, you know, we were still, you know, doing a lot of stuff from home, a lot of the Zoom stuff. Right. But how excited are you for people to see this movie on the big screen? Well, it's a big thrill for me. Big thrill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Before you came out, Brian, we were, we were talking about how, how a lot of times musicians don't like to listen to their, their own stuff. Right. You do. Right. What, why did you, why do you love listening to, to the Beach Boys music so much? I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> we, one of the highlights for me, and I think for a lot of us, was when you were listening to Pacific Ocean Blue. Right. The, like, what was it like for you to, to, hear, to hear Dennis's music, some of it for the first time? Well, he was a good singer, yeah. <laughs> How did you like work uh, driving around L.A. with Jason? Yeah, good. <laughs> Down to Malibu? <laughs> yeah. When we I, did the uh, Pacific Ocean Blue scene, Brian, you had kept asking to hear it. 
Right. And we were at the deli, and I texted Jason. I was like, please, don't play this for him at the deli because I didn't want to, I wanted to be at the house, and I wanted to be able to hear it. And so we go in, and Brian, we went, you're sat in your chair. Right. And I told the camera operator, Max, I said, you know, look, this is only going to take about five minutes. And, you know, but cut to an hour later, our poor camera guy is still standing there as Brian wants to hear every one of those tracks on Pacific Ocean right, Blue. Right. <laughs> so I was, so Max, I owe you a massage or something out there somewhere. I apologize. <laughs> you know, uh, Brian, you know, there's so much music that so many of us in this room we all have our personal favorites, and it's not necessarily like, you know, Fun, Fun, Fun or 409. Uh, but personally, for me, it's side two of the Beach Boys today with songs like Please Let Me Wonder. Right. Um, so, so what are, are your personal, what's your personal favorite Beach Boys album? Uh, I don't know. That sounds <laughs> That sounds as good. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad choice. <laughs> what was it like for you when you got to see this movie for the first time? Seeing that was a yourself. Big trip. Big trip. <laughs> what, what do you? What do you? Uh, uh, what do you? So what are you proud of from from the the post um, Pet Sounds? Like like after Pet Sounds? Like what Beach Boy stuff are you most proud of after Pet Sounds? Um, good vibrations. Good vibrations. Okay. It's okay. We were talking about it's okay tonight. That, right. That's the song you've been singing lately. Yeah, it's okay. What what uh, um, was it like working with Brent, uh, Brent to make this movie? It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. We had a did good you, time. Did, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I had a good time. It was uh, a lot of sushi and uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of time at the deli. Right. And a lot of time listening to great music. Right. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure making this film with you. It's been one of the honors of my right. life. Being able to tell your story. Okay. <laughs> Brian, uh, one of the treasures of this movie is you wrote a brand new song called Right Where I Belong. Right, it's a good tune. It's a great <laughs> tune. <laughs> it's a great tune, right, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> uh, just last, last question for you, Brian. Like, uh, how did you come to write that song, Right Where I Belong? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how proud to, to be here with everybody watching this movie with a crowd. It's a good, it's a good feeling. Good feeling. Right. <laughs> He's going to be hitting back out on the road, right? Right. Got some touring coming up. Right. Going to hit back out on the road. Yeah. I, like, I love it when Brian keeps working. It's, uh, it's, always been a, it's always a pleasure to see you perform and, and play, so hopefully everybody gets out to see some live shows, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we, want, we all want to thank, thank Brian Wilson for being here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Fine and Brent Wilson, thank you so much for making this movie. We all love it. Right. Make sure thank you, you uh, check it out this weekend. It's also on demand. Everyone, if you could please stay in your seats while we exit, that would really be great. Actually, if you, you all want to stay seated, uh, Brent and Jason are going to stick around if you all have some questions. So that was awesome. <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean to you? To finally, I mean, listen, you know, we were all talking on a Zoom call back in April, which, which believe me, I was very happy to do. Mm -hmm. But this is obviously so much better. What does it mean to you to finally, like, really release Long Promise Road 
to, 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 to the world now. I mean, I, I'm just thinking back to a time uh, a few years ago when Brian and I just sort of wandered into the Wrecking Crew movie just on a Tuesday afternoon, just driving around. It was playing, and we sat in the movie, and I watched him watch that movie that features so much of his music. And it was really an incredible experience to be here in this theater in LA, in his hometown, with all these people who love his music and love him, to for it to come full circle that way. Um, so I, you know, it's it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, for me, one of the things that that was so important, and I think to Brent too, was for Brian to have the chance to tell his own story. Um, lots of people have told his stories in lots of different ways, but I don't know that Brian's really ever told it his way. And that was one of the goals that we had, and I, you know, hope we accomplished it. I, I, listen, I, I see like 350 movies a year. I'm not complaining. Okay, I, I love it. <laughs> but the, the listen, the intimacy of this movie uh, that you you both captured, uh, the three of you captured, really uh, uh, makes this completely separate from like a, you know, biopic or a documentary. I mean, it's it, it's very very genuine. And what were the like, what were the special moments that that you were looking for when you pared it down? to this, to capture that intimacy? Well, for, for me, it's just the moment where Brian's in the studio recording Honeycomb, it was a remarkable day. That was, and that happened in real time, as you guys saw it, it happened just like that. We asked Brian, uh, our producers, Teresa Page and, and Tim Heddington, we, I had this vision, I wanted, I wanted Brian to record with his band, right? Nobody records that way anymore, you know, it's because it's too expensive. You know, nobody, they sit in front of a computer and it's one instrument at a time, but I had this, I wanted to see Brian produce. I wanted to see Brian with his band. So uh, they indulged this crazy idea and we told Brian, "You look, there's no agenda, there's no label, there's no, release dates, just what do you want to record? And uh, we gave him that freedom. And the, you know, those are the songs that he picked, Long Promise Road, It's Okay, and then this song, Honeycomb, which I'd never even heard of. And I think it's Jimmy Rogers or something. And uh, so he rolls in you know, with Jason, and he sits down at the piano, and what you see in the film happens almost in real time. And he just takes over his band, and he just starts producing, and he just starts to just have that moment where he's just so zoned in. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I told this story, and but I, I started to cry. I, I started to tear up, and I, you know, I started to kind of look away and kind of wipe away a tear so nobody could see me. And I looked over, and Jason was crying, and then the next guy was crying, and then the next guy was crying. <laughs> it was like this salty grip at the end, and he's crying. And yeah, it was just a miracle of a moment. Uh, so I'll, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. It's really cool to see Brian you know, in his element in the studio. I mean, and it really is, that's the way that it happened. And he really, when he goes in the studio, he's such in his comfort zone. And the way he hears instruments and the way he arranges the instruments in real time is really part of what's, you know, the magic of his music, and, and he still does that. That's still how he works, and so that was really special. But the, the other thing I thought was really special was just your, your relationship with Brian while you were driving around. I mean, you could tell that he was being completely honest in the moment with you. Uh, how long did it take him to, or, or the both of you, to kind of get into that, that zone where uh, it was uh, without a net? Um, well, it, I mean, we've been, Brian and I have been talking and I've been reporting and writing stories about Brian for a long time. And um, the very first time, which was in the 90s, uh, I went to his house. I was nervous as hell. 
<laughs> I ring the doorbell, you know, and someone lets me in, and, and we start talking, and about five or ten minutes into the interview, he just left. He just wandered out of the room, <laughs> and I didn't really know what I was supposed to do, you know. Was I supposed to leave? Was I supposed to wait? So I waited for a while. I was getting anxious, and I followed sort of voices that I heard and ended up in the kitchen, and Brian was in the kitchen opening the refrigerator, and I said, hey, Brian, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, oh, really sorry about that. You know, sometimes I just get scared. And I said, oh, well, what, what scared you? He said, well, you know, a lot of things scare, scare me. I said, like what? And he said, well, like, what a fool believes by the Doobie Brothers. Do you know that song? <laughs> and, and I don't know, something just sort of popped then, and we sort of broke through the ice, and we've been sort of talking, I think, in a more sort of open and casual way since then. Um, so in, in the film, I mean, that's sort of how it rolls, you know, that's sort of the, the vibe. And like I said earlier, I think it's really a natural place to, to talk in a car. Um, yeah, so that worked well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's something about being in a car, you, you know, you, you're, you just let your guard down. You know, Brent, I want to ask you, you know, with all that footage and with all the archival footage, when did you start to find the movie? It's funny, I wrote it down in the calendar. It took us um, we, it took us almost three months before we even started to edit. Um, and I remember writing it down in my calendar the day that Hector and I, we started to edit. And I was so happy that it was like, okay, now finally, after you know, sitting in this edit bay and just watching footage that we could, could start to edit. But as far as when we found the movie, I don't know, probably about 10 minutes ago, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we may still be looking for it. <laughs> yeah, and it's a never-ending process, and you just see, you know, you could, I could make it better tomorrow, for sure. <laughs> I, I would love to open to the audience because, I mean, this is a great opportunity. Uh, you had the first question right there, yes. First of all, Brent, that's a tremendous poster. It's just really cool. Yeah, these guys did an amazing job, didn't they? Yeah, a oh, fantastic job. Jason is a super educated observer. How do you think at this point in time Brian views Mike, and how do you think Mike views Brian? So the question is, at this point in time, how do you think uh, uh, Brian views Mike Love and Mike views Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't spent time with them together since... 2012, but you know what I had known about it going into then, w you know, would have led me to believe they were enemies or something because of all the lawsuits and all the things. But when I saw them together, they acted like cousins. They acted like friends. They acted like guys who had rich history and respect for each other. And I think that's how they think of each other, with a lot of love. Next question, right here, in the mask. Yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> the scene that really stuck out to me, I love the whole film, but maybe one of the most profound scenes I've seen in the film in quite some time was when watching Brian process that Jack Riley had passed away. I'm just curious if, uh, obviously you didn't know that he didn't know that, so would you have approached that any different? I thought it was a wonderful moment. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said it. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't know he didn't know, but I also didn't know it would mean that much to him. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have brought it up that way um, had, had I known. Um, that was, you know, and also I couldn't really see his reaction because I was driving, so I wasn't aware of how emotional he was either. So it was, you know, that was, that was hard. Yeah, it, was, um, it was tough. It was tough to watch when we saw the footage. And uh, I remember when we we parked at the house and Jason got out of the car and he just literally kind of like fell into my arms and it was like, and hugged me and goes, oh my God, I, know, I didn't know he didn't know. And, uh, cause we obviously, we, we 
that was it. I mean, we were done. We were done for the day. We decided to go home, and we, were, we weren't going to do any more shooting, and so we just went back to the house. And and uh, yeah, it was. It's, and I think it underscores part of the theme, one of the themes of the film, and certainly Brian's life, which is loss. And um, uh, it's just a a large. It it represents, I guess, in that ninety three minutes of a film what it's like for Brian every day. You know, loss has been a big part of his life. And um, I think, you know, that's how he he sees it with his brothers and obviously with Jack and mm -hmm. certainly with his father. And yeah, it's, um, um, it was a tough moment to certainly to see and the fact that Jason was, um, I think, just so open about it and, and Brian allowed us to have it in the film was really... Absolutely. Uh, he's got the next question. Uh, let's go over here. You in the mask. <laughs> so the question is, what guided you with what you finally included in the final movie? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question, and you know, and it just kind of at this point kind of comes down to um, comes down to um, I, I I am an audience member. You know, I'm you know I am the audience. I'm a Brian Wilson fan, and uh, I'm a fan of documentaries, and I just try to kind of put myself in the in, in the in the audience seat. And but one of the things that I really wanted to do with the film was. I wanted it to um, to speak to um, to Brian fans, you know, people that have been fans their whole lives of Brian and follow Brian's career and know everything about Brian. But we also I wanted it to be able to speak to maybe somebody who's a Nick Jonas fan, and they Nick Jonas is in this movie, so you know, my goodness, what you know, why is he talking about Brian Wilson? So I'm a big Nick Jonas fan, so I'm going to watch this movie now, and so I wanted to be able to speak to to that fan as well. So it was just trying to find that balance of you know. This is going to be something new for 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 fans that that know everything, and then also introduce something to to a, a new generation of fans. And also wanted to have something new for the year. That was always really important too. Wanted to have new music, so we went through all of the Brian Wilson archives and dug out some new music. And of course, Brian recorded new music, so that was that was important to me. You know, I, you know, I wanted to hear new music. <laughs> Okay, next question is over here in the green hat. Why the Beverly Glen Deli, and what was a typical order for Brian? That's, that's a very astute question. Um, <laughs> Beverly Glen Deli is, a, is, you know, is his spot, uh, or it was. He didn't want to go there today, so maybe it's not his spot anymore. But uh, for both of us, it was usually a, a Cobb salad, um, mine with no bacon. Uh, he would also then often have a soft serve ice cream, which I think you also see in there. Uh, yeah, so that was that was the ma the main go to, but sometimes he'd have a hamburger. <laughs> By the way, he went right for that ice cream. We all noticed. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I think too they they just they when you're there with him, they treat him so well there, right? Like they just kind of let him do his thing, and you know he'll come in and go in and out pretty quickly. You know, Jason will test. He eats really fast. <laughs> um, he also likes to order for whoever he's eating with. So he, he'll have ideas about, if you go to the Beverly Gun Deli with Brian, he'll have ideas about what you should get. I love the Vanna White moment. That was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, who's got a question? Let's try somebody uh, in, in the back here, if you got a question up there. Uh, yes, you just raised your hand. So nice and loud, please. I, I can project. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say, you covered so many issues of Brian's life in such a short amount of time. I'm kind of mind boggled. I feel like I want to watch it again as much as I already knew. Um, how did you decide, what, did you already know which parts of the heavy stuff that you wanted to mention and just how briefly, obviously there's a lot that's been talked about. But I just personally wanted to say I really appreciated 
the way you dealt with mental illness and how for some people it's just the way it is and yet it's so amazingly difficult and for Brian to do as much as he's done is amazing to me and thank you for reminding me of that. Very much so. I mean, to, to me, you know, Brian's story is all about courage and the courage to deal with what he has to deal with and also be such a creative person and a public person. And it's not easy for him. And um, that was an important thing to both Brent and I to convey um, that this guy, you know, goes on tour. I mean, there was a, one of the things I remember was, you know, 180 shows that one year when we were filming. and he goes and he told me he's writing new songs today. I mean, he, he works and he's not living, you know, in the past, off past hits. He's making new music. He's going on tour, trying new songs. And that takes a tremendous amount of, of effort and courage. And we wanted to express that. Yeah. Got time for one more question. Uh, all right. Okay. You in the beard. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you come to interview the yeah, people Bruce, you interviewed? Bruce, my buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce and I, I was at Bruce's house. We were having beers. And I said, Bruce, I'm flying over to Elton next week, and we're having a barbecue. No. <laughs> uh, but no, that's actually it's an excellent question. Um, uh, we talked about very from the very beginning. Um, uh, we, I didn't want redundancy, right? I, I didn't want, uh, I wanted to have some kind of diversity in the opinions uh, that we we're going to speak to. And so it felt like, you know, Bruce was an American icon, and uh, he hasn't spoken a lot about you know, Brian, you know, you, I, but I suspected he was a fan and we were, I was right. He was a huge fan, but he talks about Elvis. He talks about Bob Dylan, but he doesn't talk too much about, but he couldn't wait. He immediately said yes. Yeah, then you had Elton, who is a, you know, a British icon. Then you get somebody like, you know, Gustavo Dudamel, who's from, you know, South America. He's from Venezuela and is, you know, the world's most, you know, famous conductor, conducts the Paris Symphony. Um, and then, yeah, you get Jim James, who is, you know, kind of the king of cool and indie. And, yeah, then you get Nick Jonas. And, you know, Nick Jonas is another generation. And he grew up with two young brothers, you know, making pop music. And then in his 20s tried to kind of break out of that pop sound and make it adult music. And I thought that's an interesting perspective. So the idea was, was try to kind of collect as many different and varying opinions. And the idea being that if you're kind of flipping the channels around and, and you saw Bruce Springsteen, Nick Jonas, Gustavo Dudamel, and, and, you know, and Linda Perry together, and you would go, what in the world do these people have in common? It would be Brian Wilson. And, uh, and then- Linda Perry was amazing And then too. Linda Perry and Don, what I love about Linda and Don was, as we were looking for like, who are the two foremost producers? Like who is out there making incredible music as producers? So that we could just get them on camera going, as Don says, I don't know how you do this. <laughs> and, and I thought it was really important if you've seen, you know, heard Linda's songs, you've heard Don's music and stuff, and for those guys to go, I have no idea how you do this, and they don't. And I thought that was important. So, yeah, that was it. Just diversity, adding it up. Yeah. Well, well uh, ladies and gentlemen, so now that you've seen the film, please spread the word about Long Promised Road. And, and how do you do that? Obviously, you go on social media. So, so go on Twitter, go on Instagram, go on Facebook. You in the back, if you're still using MySpace, that's totally cool. <laughs> but long live Brian Wilson, Jason Fine, Brent Wilson. Thank, Thank you, you so guys. much. Thank you so very much.
Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theatres, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.